After a frantic scramble, the last evacuation flight carrying Americans left from Kabul before the 31st August deadline set by US President Joe Biden. And so the US's longest war against terror officially came to an end. In a press address, General Kenneth McKenzie said that since the day before the Taliban recapture Afghanistan, the US evacuated around 79,000 people from Kabul including several thousand American citizens and Afghan nationals who had worked for the US. He also said that while the military evacuation is complete, the diplomatic mission to ensure that additional US citizens and eligible Afghans who want to leave the country continues. I'm here to announce the completion of our withdrawal from Afghanistan and the end of the military mission to evacuate American citizens, third country nationals and vulnerable Afghans. The last C17 lifted off from Hamad Karzai International Airport on August 30th this afternoon. at 3:29 p.m. east coast time and the last manned aircraft is now clearing the airspace above afghanistan while the military evacuation is complete the diplomatic mission to ensure additional us citizens and eligible afghans who want to leave continues and i know that you have heard and i know that you're going to hear more about that from the state department shortly tonight's withdrawal signifies both the end of the military component of the evacuation but also the end of the nearly 20 year mission that began in Afghanistan shortly after September 11th 2001 and hours after a C17 military aircraft airlifted the last US soldiers Taliban fighters took charge of the Kabul airport shots were fired into the sky to celebrate the victory and a quote unquote free and sovereign Afghanistan Taliban leaders were seen inspecting the airport flanked by the elite Badri unit posing for photographs and flying the Taliban's white flag But as this new chapter begins for the country, the mood is grim for thousands of common Afghans who fear losing their basic rights and freedom under the Taliban. While on one hand, the Taliban has been trying to seek international recognition and presenting a moderation of their views, on the other hand, there have been reportage of the Taliban going back to their old ways. In fact, just days after the Taliban spokesperson Zabihullah Mujahid confirmed that music will be banned in public spaces as it was in the previous regime, a popular folk singer by the name of Fawad Andarabi was dragged out of his house and shot dead by a Taliban fighter. Amid this atmosphere of fear, The UN has passed a resolution which requires the Taliban to keep the commitment to allow safe passage for eligible Afghans out of the country but can international leaders hold the Taliban responsible to their commitments with the ISK now emerging and targeting Kabul in the past few days can it lead to an unlikely relationship building up between the Taliban and the West In this episode we spoke to Mr Manoj Joshi who's a distinguished fellow at Observer Research Foundation You're tuned in to the Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you, and I'm your host, Shorbury. The past few weeks in Afghanistan has been a reign of absolute pandemonium, with several thousand people lining up outside Hamid Karzai Airport daily to be able to escape the Taliban rule. Since 2001, nearly 2,500 U.S. soldiers and as many as 1,20,000 Afghans lost their lives to this prolonged violence. And even in the last days of evacuation, a suicide bombing carried out by the ISIS-K on 26th August outside the crowded Hamid Karzai airport left nearly 170 Afghans and 13 U.S. troops dead. 
In a written statement, U.S. President Joe Biden applauded the quote-unquote unmatched courage, professionalism and resolve of the U.S. troops as the U.S.'s 20-year-long military presence in Afghanistan ended. But the last flight from Kabul is also symbolic of a failed process as the unplanned withdrawal leaves Afghans behind to deal with the bleak fate. Although the extremist terrorist group has been presenting a more inclusive version of themselves with promises to support women's rights, not many are buying this revamped Taliban 2.0. In our previous episodes of The Big Story, we have focused on how the ground reality shows a stark difference from the Taliban's pledges even as the terror group has started paying attention to how the international community might think of them. But despite the apprehension that the Taliban regime is unlikely to have changed their hardened stance on rights and extreme punishments, the US's withdrawal has also drastically shifted the geopolitics of the world, starting with how the international leaders and agencies look at the Taliban. The Taliban group was first designated as a terrorist organization in 1999 by the UN Security Council as the group's atrocious acts amounted to war crimes and crimes against humanity. But lately, that view has been shifting as the Taliban show a keenness for international recognition. While on 16th August, which is a day after the Taliban took over the war-torn country, the UNSC reaffirmed, and I'm quoting a part of its statement, quote, the importance of combating terrorism in Afghanistan to ensure the territory of Afghanistan should not be used to threaten or attack any country and that neither the Taliban nor any Afghan group or individual should support terrorists operating on the territory of any other country, end quote. But in the latest UNSC resolution on Afghanistan from 27th August, that was adopted under India's current presidency, the international agency has dropped a reference to the Taliban while condemning terror. Their statement simply said, quote, no Afghan group or individual should support terrorists operating on the territory of any other country, end quote. As the US troops left the country, India too has announced its first meeting with the Taliban. Although the Ministry of External Affairs did hold back-channel talks earlier in July, this is the first official confirmation of talks between the Taliban and the Indian government. So is the world coming to terms with the Taliban reality and is this a signal of diplomatic acceptance? Mr. Manu Joshi weighs in. One has been uh, coming to grips with the reality uh, that Taliban is the de facto authority in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, Russia and China, of course, have been dealing with Taliban for quite some time. Uh, Iran also has been dealing with them. India has now uh, most recently had a meeting. A top Taliban leader came to the uh, Indian embassy uh, in Qatar uh, yesterday. Uh, now, the thing is that the Taliban was designated as a terrorist organization by the United Nations under its uh, United, Sta uh, United Nations Resolution 1267. Uh, but interestingly, the United States did not designate it as a terrorist organization and recognized it as an insurgency. That is why the United States was able to uh, conduct a dialogue with them in uh, 2018, which concluded in the Doha Agreement of 2020. So I think definitely, yes, this is a sign of diplomatic acceptance, but also a sign uh, of accepting the reality as it exists on the ground. But before a full recognition for the Taliban government comes, there are also a set of conditions drawn before the Taliban, conditions that the Taliban is expected to honour. While in earlier reports, the Taliban is said to have warned Afghans from fleeing the country as the deadline neared, it clarified its stance later on and said that Afghans would be able to travel outside and leave Afghanistan whenever they want to. 
In fact, in an interview with the New York Times, Taliban spokesperson Zabihullah Mujahid also confirmed that those with valid travel documents would not be prevented from entering the airport. Only those people who don't possess valid documents won't be allowed to leave. And based on those statements, the UN Security Council recently adopted a resolution which also demands the Taliban to honor their commitment to let people free passage out of the country. It also asks the Taliban to keep the airport open and allow quote unquote full, safe and unhindered access for international agencies while asking the terror group to reaffirm the importance of upholding human rights that includes, quote, equal and meaningful representation of women that responds to the desire of Afghans to sustain and build on Afghanistan's gains over the last 20 years in adherence to the rule of law, end quote. But can international leaders hold the Taliban responsible? Can they leverage their position to ensure an inclusive government or is it likely to be a limited leverage? Uh, resolution, uh, of course, has asked the Taliban to honor a set of conditions. Uh, but don't forget that the agreement that they are committed to is the one with the United States in Doha, where they say that they will not allow the soil of Afghanistan uh, to be used for attacks against the United States and its allies. Now, that's the agreement that the US has got out of them. Uh, the resolution, when it comes to a UN resolution, you know, essentially talks. Uh, mandates uh, this um, to uh, the Taliban. Uh, the issue, of course, always is with UN resolutions is whether you can uh, implement your resolution. So I think, but definitely before uh, full recognition comes to the Taliban government, uh, the international community would like to leverage uh, their position, uh, leverage their uh, position on recognition uh, to ensure that the Taliban um, make certain binding commitments and uh, also possibly goes in for an inclusive government. But the point is that given the country like uh, Afghanistan, uh, it's not very easy. And also Afghanistan now has many friends who may be willing to look the other way. I mean, so you have China, you have Iran, you have Pakistan. So how do you actually exercise that leverage? But the reinstatement of a Taliban government also poses a big challenge to counter terrorism with legitimate worries about whether Afghanistan will become a haven for terrorist activities. Although the Taliban has pledged to not allow Al-Qaeda or any other extremist group to operate in the areas under their control, the Al-Qaeda group had in fact issued a statement earlier congratulating Taliban for emancipating the country. Moreover, since the collapse of the ISIS earlier in 2019, the devastating suicide bombing attack outside Kabul airport, which was claimed by ISIS-K, is perhaps a reminder that Afghanistan can become a breeding ground for jihadi terrorism. But this event also seems to have led to an unlikely relationship building up between the US and the Taliban, with President Joe Biden vowing to strike against the ISIS-K while relying on the Taliban for a safe evacuation. Can this force an unforeseen alliance between the Taliban and the West? There are a lot of worries about uh, the fact that the Taliban government um, could, you know, enable the country to become a haven for terrorist activities. But the fact of the matter is that the Taliban would like to assert their own authority and the, the, the entities like ISISK are actually their sworn enemies. Uh, the worry that the U.S. has is both about the ISISK and about the Al-Qaeda. Now, the Taliban and the U.S. have found common ground. They actually have an agreement, the Doha Agreement, 
under which the uh, United States has kept its side of the bargain. They have left um, uh, Afghanistan and now they will expect the uh, Taliban to keep their side of the bargain, uh, which is to prevent any uh, force any uh, in the soil of Afghanistan that can threaten the United States and its allies. And to this end, I think they have a lot of leverage. There is no shortage of leverage. Uh, Afghanistan is in a dire situation. Uh, it needs foreign aid. It needs foreign assistance. And if the, Afghanistan, if the Taliban wish to run the Afghan state, they will require the cooperation of the West uh, because you know their friends like Iran and Pakistan are actually broke. They don't have much money. Uh, the Chinese are very transactional. They are not likely to step up. Uh, with um, the kind of resources that Afghanistan needs to survive. So that's the leverage that will be used by the US. And that's a wrap for this episode, but stay tuned to The Quint for more. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts. 